1: Welcome to the Roto-Wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast brought to you by ESPN Plus, the exclusive home of UFC 251. I'm Jake Litarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at Roto Jake. Today we'll be making our picks for the biggest fights at UFC 251, usman versus masvidal where one million dollars is on the line on DraftKings. we finally get a full 13 fight card so a little more line of differentiation here uh but john we're headed to fight island man have you ever would you have believed in january that we'd be having a conversation about fight island right now
0: no but in january there's a lot of things going on (laughs) right now that that i wouldn't have believed but uh no it's i mean it's good for the sport um it shows the dedication, you know. All these fighters obviously had to have to get up and leave their family and, you know, quarantine over there. I think every, I think you, I want to say, you have to like stay in your room for five days after landing or something crazy. It's you know, it's a whole big thing, and it yeah. has to be fighters, um,
1: cornermen, media, you yeah. know, production team, everybody across there. It seems like, uh, well, I guess this shouldn't be too surprising, but the protocol here is a lot uh, much much stricter than it is for say, you know, the state of Florida.
0: Yeah, and it should be. And, you know, I mean, deep down, you know, I'm not really surprised that the UFC is trying to, I don't want to say push this through because they have good, you know, good, Mm -hmm. a good screening thing in place. But, you know, none of the four major sports are back yet. So, you know, they still have a couple of weeks till baseball, you know, a little longer than that till, uh, hockey and basketball so this really for the next what is it you know for four, 14 days from saturday yep. or whatever it starting, is
1: starting starting saturday they're going to have four events in a two-week period two there's weeks, a man? wednesday one
0: snuck in there yeah. so yeah so you know this action. yeah this is their chance you know this mm-hmm. is once every you know assuming you know if, if hopefully all the major sports come back and you know they're not there's not a you know relapse of this thing in the fall so you know this is like the ufc's last run really at being the uh you know the big dog and the only show in town
1: yeah, and uh, they did a One Millionaire Maker earlier, kind of surprised they did it for the uh, Nunes pay-per-view fight. I know they had a tough time filling that one. They were giving out free entries left and right to try to get that filled. Might have even been a little overlay when it was all said and done. This one, I think, will be popular enough to fill, given that uh, you know we've got 13 fights, so there's enough lineup differentiation. There's less of a chance that... I mean, the first one, I think, was split a few hundred ways. I mean, I, I know one of our uh, followers, shout, shout out to Mike, uh, he... Um, he Won the Millionaire Maker, but it was split so many ways. I think he won twenty two hundred dollars. So hopefully we don't have that this time around with a lot more to pick from. You know, we talked about this earlier. the The outdoor cage here. Um, you see that in pictures. But just to be clear, that's going to be for like open workouts and stuff. It's way too hot for that to happen on Fight Island. Um, So they've got an indoor cage set up for that. But, you know, speaking of the cage, the other thing is uh, at the Apex Center in Las Vegas, where basically every event since Florida has been held, they've been using that small, smaller cage. And now we're going back to the regular standard, uh, you know, UFC cage. Any initial thoughts on that? I mean, I love the small
0: cage for the stoppages. Yeah, my personal opinion is I would I, I don't know if they'll ever do it. They should just switch to the smoke age permanently. Mm-hmm. It forces action, it makes passive fighters have to fight more aggressively. Um, I'm a much, you know, if I had my choice, I'm a much, much bigger fan of the small cage. I think it's just more conducive to action-packed fights, which is what everybody wants to see. In the bigger cage, you know, a guy can get on his horse and his bicycle and you know, run away a little bit, and you know, that's not what we're looking for. I definitely prefer the smaller cage.
1: Yeah, we'll try to uh, we'll try to work that into the analysis a little bit, or as much as we can here with these small fights. You know, the early numbers suggested that you know, in terms of finishing rates, the only the only places where it was super significant. We're kind of flyweight, bantamweight, and featherweight—the the lower weight classes that tend to have a few less finishes anyway. But I think the smaller cage also helps uh, wrestlers too because again, there's less room to hide. You know, you, you can in the big cage, you know, you can use footwork and kind of get out of the way of some of these takedowns, not so much. And I know we're going back to the Apex Center after this couple weeks stint on Fight Island, and uh, I Stipe didn't want to fight DC in a smaller cage because you could see for their trilogy fight that's set for August 15th, you could see, you know, that a small cage working in DC. Advantage, you know, being able to just kind of latch onto him and uh, and drag him to the ground—that would be a big part of his game plan, I'd imagine. Uh, don't want to get too much into into uh, our next show, but uh, you know, that's kind of what we're looking at for right now.
0: It's definitely part of it. I could certainly, and it's a stylistic thing, and I can definitely see why certain fighters, you know, it's a little bit like, um, kind of like the European and NHL ice surfaces for hockey. The European ice surface is wider. Um, so there's more playmaking and stuff in, you know, the NHL. It's smaller. It tends to be a bit more physical. It's a bit of a different sport. And especially in a fight like that where someone like Stepe his fate has a huge size advantage and he knows his opponent's biggest asset is his wrestling. I can certainly understand why he would much rather fight in a big cage than a small cage.
1: Yeah, I don't know if, like, for example, that Cody Garbrandt knockout, you know. I don't know if we necessarily see that in the bigger cage. If Asuncio has more room to move around, same thing. I guess Sterling Sterling able to get that finish against Sandhagen at the last card. Um, but but yeah, so there's, that's definitely part of the uh, situation here. And of course, leave it to our resident NHL prospects uh, expert here to,
0: uh, to to relay that. Yeah, I doggy. miss yeah, I, I miss hockey. I'm I'm losing it. Do they have a start date coming? I don't. I, yeah, they uh they ratified the CBA or they agreed to the CBA yesterday. The mm-hmm. players association has to vote, I believe. I want to say games start if everything goes according to plan. I believe the games are going to start August 1st.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know the NFL preseason is canceled, but hoping by the next time we talk, John, we're going to have three of the major sports back in play as That's well. So of course, uh, you know, get those free keep that in mind for when it's a free trial to rotowire.com rotowire.com slash free gets you 10 days everything on the website uh, get you helped out for the reset of sports I know these guys are just uh, you know I ran into a couple editors today in the office they're trying to blow content out of the water to get you uh, get you ready to go for all those fantasy sports needs it's a unique season and uh, hopefully we can help you out here Uh, but before we jump in I wanted to mention uh, the promo we're still running here with our friends over at ESPN plus if you sign up through the links on our website uh, you can get a free month of rotowire so that's full service rotowire all sports plus dfs tools if you're thinking you do need an espn subscription plus subscription to be able to purchase the pay-per-view on saturday anyway so if you're not a subscriber to that yet and want to fold that into a free month at rotowire a uh, perfect place to do that the link's right on our checkout page so you buy the subscription to espn plus for a month and then you of course you get uh, a one month of all our tools so whether you're prepping for a baseball or football draft for that matter. I want to use our draft software. Baseball projections are all edited for the 60 game season. And as well for any positive COVID tests, uh, that's all ready to go. Of course, I know you see the Scott fishbowl leagues are already kicking off, you know, so fantasy football season is right around the corner. Uh, we've got a lot going on. So just go to rotowire.com slash subscribe and locate the ESPN plus promo on the bottom. Or if you already have an account, uh, that is not quite a subscriber yet. Uh, you can click on subscribe now in the top, right to begin the process should be right there for you. So, uh, that should get you going here again. You need ESPN Plus anyway. Why not get a free month of RotoWire in there as well? But let's move on to the fights, John. Want to start with the welterweight championship fight? I guess now we can call it the BMF title as well on the line. Uh, you know, some people have some thoughts on on what needs to happen for that to change hands. But we've got Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal. Now this is. Uh, it was supposed to be Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns had a positive test. This weekend, the UFC got to negotiating with Masvidal, who's been, you know, a little, a little upset with his recent deal. I assume, uh, they gave him what they wanted to get him to jump overseas, uh, on short notice here. So we've got a heck of a fight. Some fans will think that this is arguably more exciting. I mean, Masvidal has more general popularity among casual fans than Gilbert Burns did, but, uh, brass tacks here, DraftKings salaries, Usman 8,900, Masvidal 7,300, uh, FanDuel, uh Usman 22 Masvidal 18 the odds on this um they've moved a little bit i've had uh i wrote down here Usman minus 300 with the comeback on Masvidal at plus 250 it shifted money shifted a little bit towards Masvidal since i wrote this out now it's like Usman minus 280 Masvidal plus 240 i could see it continuing to go in, in that direction because of Masvidal's popularity the odds to finish on this fight are minus 160 John, I'm going to go, for, go to you for the breakdown here. Do you think uh, Masvidal is any tougher of an opponent than Burns? And, and how do you see this one playing out?
0: Well, I'm in the minority in the sense that I would have preferred the Burns matchup. I just thought it was a little more interesting stylistically. But I'm happy for Masvidal. Um, 48 professional fights. He's been an MMA pro for more than 17 years. Um, he deserves a shot at a UFC title. And I'm glad that he's getting it. And he by no means backed into this. Masvidal has earned it um, off three straight knockout wins over Nate Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz, Ben Askren, and Darren Till. You know, we rem- we all remember the Askren uh, floating, you know, knee ten seconds into the fight yeah, or whatever it was. Get ready to see a lot of replays. Yeah, that you'll see a lot of that. This week. Yeah, um, it's it's a different kind of fight because stylistically. Burns and Mazidal are two complete different fighters. Um Burns is one of the best submission specialists in the world, and Mazidol is a striker. Um Masvidal has 18 career stoppage wins. 16 of them have come via knockout. Mazidal wins with his hands. Um he's an underrated wrestler. Uh he's a good wrestler. His he averages almost two takedowns per 15 minutes, 1.70. But that's not the kind of fight he wants to get involved in here. Um, his best – his clearest path to winning this fight is to damage Usman on the feed. Now, that's certainly easier said than done. Um, I'll just throw a couple quick numbers at you to give you an idea of how good uh, Usman is. Usman averages 4.6 significant strikes per minute. Masvidal averages about 4.3. So that's close. Usman absorbs just 2.17 significant strikes a minute, which is among the best numbers you will see. Mm -hmm. Um, That is – and the only way really you get a number that low is when you have a guy who's constantly wrestling people. And always in top position. Exactly.
1: And um, I just want to note that this is an 11-fight UFC sample size, too. You know, it's not like, you know, we'll talk about Piotr Jan later where he's got, you know, six UFC fights and
0: the sample size, eh, maybe. But uh, but there's a big sample size enough to take these numbers seriously. There is. And um, like I, m- I mentioned, Masvidal averages about two takedowns per 15 minutes. But Usman's takedown defense over the course of his UFC career is a perfect 100%. He's never been taken down. Um, you know, to make a long story short... Um, I'm taking Usman, and that's that's not a knock on Masvidal. I think that's just how good Usman is. And anyway, you look at it, Masvidal had to take this fight. He, I believe he mentioned on Twitter he didn't get the exact price that he wanted, but he got close to it. So you know he's being well compensated. But again, this is a guy who is picking up. Uh, taking multiple fights, quarantining, flying halfway around the world to face one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world and doing it all on whatever what, six this got this got booked Sunday, so he's looking at like six days notice. Mm-hmm. less less than that when you take the time consideration into hands. Living it's, up to the nickname game bread, that's for sure. Yeah. He, but he's not he's not gonna turn down this opportunity and he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is it's just a really, really really big ask for not just Mazibul, but for anybody. Um he wasn't planning on fighting here um, you know, Gilbert Burns had a full training camp, essentially, before he was forced to withdraw. So um, I'm not crazy about Masvidal as an underdog at 7,300. Um, we'll get into a couple other underdogs in the next couple fights. But as far as the three championship fights, um, I would prefer Masvidal as an underdog to Jose Aldo. But if I was trying to toss a Hail Mary... I would take Max Holloway before I would take Masvidal. Mm-hmm. There's just he it's just it's I, I just really it's really more just to summarize it's really about how good Usman is. And that's not a knock on Masvidal. Mm-hmm. He I think he's just great. Like is in one of the top half dozen fighters in the world. Yeah, I'm leading the same way with
1: Usman, and I would be willing to bet that a lot of our staff is going to think the same thing when it comes to the staff picks that come out here on Thursday. Um, I'm with Usman. You know, the fan in me would love to see a baptism from Street Jesus here. I think that would be awesome. You know, people would love that. But, uh, you know, the analyst says... Usman is just, he's better in just about every single area of the game. You mentioned uh, Masvidal. Striking is his his stand-up is his best aspect, his best strength. You know, he has an excellent striking differential as well, which is significant strikes landed minus significant strikes absorbed, but Usman's better in both categories and you know Masterel has wrestling in him but Usman is elite and he's elite in all categories and'm I'm, and I'm confident he's going to be the best champion. you're one of the best champions and he's for a very long time in the UFC this reign is going to last a long time. I mean we saw him pretty much work Colby Covington on the feet um, so this is a, this is a matchup where I think it's pretty much all Usman and I think that betters out there and Draftkings players, are going to be able to capitalize on Masvidal's popularity. I mean, seventy three hundred is a very cheap price tag for Masvidal. He wasn't that cheap in any of the fight, recent fights that he was an underdog against. And I think you're going to see maybe not the same effect as when you know Conor McGregor's on the card, but there's going to be an ownership boost because people know Masvidal and they don't necessarily know Usman yet, even though they definitely should. And you know, I mentioned uh, you know he opened around minus three hundred. Usman did it as a favorite. He's down to minus two eighty. You know, if that gets down to minus two 100 minus 220 like it was for the uh for the burns fight i think i might hammer that because i'm pretty confident in Usman here i think He's a great DraftKings play because he can score in a variety of ways, and he's very high volume at eighty nine hundred. You you know, it has to be said he was priced at eighty nine hundred for a fight in which he was a minus two twenty favorite against Burns. Now he shoots up to a minus three hundred favorite, but DFS sites can't change his price, so you're getting some inherent line value in there as well. Uh, I'm just I'm very big on on Usman, and I think I'm going to have very high exposure to him. Despite in my heart of hearts, I would not be disappointed if Masvidal finally becomes champion. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. If you are against us and you're rolling Masvidal on this, you're going to get a much better value on DraftKings than you would on FanDuel. Uh, on DraftKings, basically, the two fighters' ha- salaries have to add up to the same number almost no matter what. You know, this might be a little bit interesting given the uh, given the, the, the late swap here, where on FanDuel, they price the underdog in title fights appropriately and even the underdog in some heavyweight fights because, you know, they kind of predict what the ownership percentage is going to be there. So, um uh, uh, not as much of a bargain on FanDuel. It's still right around your average, if not higher than your average price for fighter. But I think our, our audience is pretty much DraftKings heavy anyway. So if you love if you love Masvidal in this fight, if you think he can, I think he has to get to him early for this to be realistic. I mean, I don't see Masvidal outpointing Usman over five rounds. It's a first or second round finish
0: or bust on this one. Do you agree with me there? Yeah. And I mean, you know, Usman has looked like a machine since arriving in the company. And just one thing to mention about Masvidal is, yes, he has won three straight fights via knockout. All impressively, but prior to those three wins, you know this is a guy who was four and five in his previous nine fights. I four of those five losses came via split decision, and a couple of them he definitely should have won. But that being said, um, if it's a split decision, that means the fight, you know, inherently is fairly close. And one guy didn't blow the other out of the water. Or you're not going to have a split decision. So, and Masvidal, I mean, Masvidal is also no spring chicken. He'll turn 36 years of age in mm-hmm. uh, in mid November. It just seems like a really tough set of circumstances. Yeah. But I'm glad he's getting a shot. He's he's fought for a long time. He deserves the opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of my one of my angles on this too. You know, Masvidal is arguably on the tail end of his prime years, or maybe even a tiny bit past it, where Usman is square in his prime and he's going to continue to be for a few years to come here so I think that paints a pretty good picture of the main event but we do have three title fights here to discuss here and of course these five rounders you definitely want to bump the exposure a little bit uh, on most of these especially uh, one like this next one that has plus money uh, for the fight going the distance here. Alexander Volkanovsky against Max Holloway Uh, Volkanovsky 9100, Holloway 7100, Volkanovsky 18 on FanDuel, Holloway 16 on FanDuel so much more Much less separation there. Uh, The betting odds have this around. I think they've even moved towards Volkanovski a little bit more. But I wrote down minus 190 for Volkanovski. 165 is the comeback on Holloway. Uh, Plus money on odds to finish, plus 180. So Vegas believes that this fight will go the distance with these two high-volume strikers. I have a few strong takes on this one, but I'm going to let you take it away with how you think this fight's
0: going down. Uh, Essentially, I think it's going to be similar the first fight between the two. Um, these two guys fought in this past December, um, neither man's fought since the obviously beat Holloway to win the belt, uh, snapped his 14 fight winning streak at featherweight. And when I was researching this fight, the one thing I looked at was I looked at the final scores in the first fight, which were 50, 45 and 48, 47 times two. I do not remember this fight being as close as 48 to 47. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly thought Volk, I mean, then you go back to that inherent argument, you know, do you just score it round by round or do you score the fight as a whole? But it certainly seemed like Volkanovsky was a ra- more, well, well more than a round better than Holloway in that fight. Um, you know, it's kind of, in a way, I think it's a little bit similar to the fight we just talked about between Masvidal and Usman. Um, I think this is just a bad matchup for Holloway. Um, Max's greatest asset, two greatest assets are his cardio, which in the first fight, Volkanovski proved to be at least his equal, if not better in that department. And that's really the first time we ever saw that. And, um, Volkanovski has more power than Holloway does. Holloway relies on one twos and a lot of combinations and a bunch of kicks But as far as pound for pound, just straight out power punching, Volkanovski is the winner in that area by a large amount. And the thing that really – I picked Volkanovski in the first fight. I was one of the – I don't think many people did. I picked him in the first fight, but I was still surprised at how easily and effectively he handled the height differential between the two men. Mm-hmm. Holloway is five foot eleven, which is as big about as big as you'll see for a featherweight. Volkanovski is just five foot six, but he had zero issues getting in tight. He had zero issues landing consistently, and he's really really strong for a shorter fighter. So those. You know close hand fighting situations when the guys are tied up and looking for position along the fence. Volkanovski's is big enough and strong enough physically to win those fights despite giving up five inches in height to Holloway. Um, it's It's funny because it, we just talked we were just talking about Daniel Cormier earlier. Um, Daniel Cormier has is one of the best mixed martial artists of all time. But for some reason, John Jones is just his kryptonite. It's just, it seems it's a bad matchup. Jones is strong enough to cancel out his wrestling. He's bigger and taller, so he has the advantage in the striking game. Um, I think in a way, you know, the mat, the stylistic is the styles are different here. But I think this is just a really bad matchup for Max. Um, his, he's not going to win the fight with his cardio because Volkanovski can match him in that department. And Max lands a bunch of combinations and stuff but Volkanovsky has never really been rattled on the feet. You know, he'll get hit, but he'll just walk through those strikes. Like it's nothing. Um, Holloway absorbs 4.45 significant strikes a minute. while Volkanovski ex- absorbs 3.14. That's about a strike and a half difference per minute, which over the course of a five round fight, I'm terrible at math. You know, that's, you're looking at, you know, well, at least what, what 40 at least 40 strikes, at least mm-hmm. it's up there and it makes a difference. Um, I'm sticking with uh, I'm sticking with Volkanovski here. Um, I have more, but it's a little bit like the earlier fight in the sense that Holloway is 7100, and fires of Holloway's ability shouldn't be 7100. So if you're tossing in a bunch of Hail Marys, it's not a terrible idea. I do have more interest in Holloway than Masvidal if um, you want to go that route, but. Um, if anything, I'm more confident in my pick about Volkanovski this time than it was the first time.
1: Yeah, so there's no doubt in my mind that Volkanovski had his number the first time around. He closed the distance very effectively. He wasn't able to execute takedowns, but he still uh, surprisingly, like you said, matched him in his cardio. And he actually won the total battle of significant strikes, 157 to 34. But one thing that I see from this is Holloway needs to just make one adjustment because the, the place where Volkanovski had him, was leg kicks. It was it was very, very significant. Uh, Volkanovski landed 75 leg kicks to Holloway's 17, and I think that's part of the reason we could we see maybe that Volkanovski's cardio looked a little better. I mean, Holloway maybe just had some trouble standing uh, on two feet there towards the championship rounds, which you can't blame him after taking 75 leg kicks like that. That's tough. And it's way, way easier said than done. I'll admit this. It's way easier said than done to say, just adjust. Don't get kicked in the leg. You know, someone of Volkanovski's caliber is uh, talented enough to be able to continue to deliver those strikes. But um, if Holloway can find a way to even just check or get out of the way of 20, 30% of those, and he's got that big length advantage, so maybe he needs to work more distance into his game. But if he can make one kind of adjustment to get out of the way out of the way of those leg kicks, I mean let's look at the other numbers here. He outlanded in significant head strikes. Uh, uh, Holloway had an 85 to 67 edge here. So and again we have the big cage which I think uh, you know, obviously they fought that way in the first time. I would think a smaller cage would be a much bigger advantage for Volkanovski. But you know, there's the big. He just, to me, he just needs to make one adjustment. So I, I'm going to pick Holloway here for that reason because I think someone of his, you know, greatest featherweight of all time status, arguably, uh, he's right up there. You know, with Aldo, who we'll talk about later. Um, but even if, even if uh, Holloway does not get the win here, I think he is a core foundational play if you're playing any kind of cash games, because you're forced to pick underdogs in DFS no matter what. A fight, You mentioned a fighter of Holloway's caliber, 7,100. That is dirt cheap. The last time I mentioned 134 significant strikes, that was 67 points in his loss to Volkanovski. So these you know Vegas thinks this one's going the distance. If this goes a full twenty-five minutes, you're going to see a lot of significant strikes landed uh, by both men. But you know, prior to Volkanovski, I mean, sixty-seven points was the lowest that he's ever had in the UFC. He scored. 91 points in his only other loss since the start of DraftKings. That was to Dustin Poirier. And then you've got, he scored 95 against Edgar, 190 against Ortega, 135 and 116 in the Aldo fights, 115 against Pettis. Those were all title fights. And then you've got some lesser scores in the three-round fights here. I could, I would be willing to bet, you know, we don't project ownership necessarily on the website, but I in cash games, like say that big double up or the single entry big double up that DraftKings does, I could see ownership for Holloway being somewhere between 40 and 60% because even if you don't think he's going to win uh getting 60 70 points say say you get 71 points here that's still 10x generally you want to be around 10x for for tournaments maybe 12x you know especially in the in the millionaire maker like this but it's such a good play for cash games so I would say one if there's a fight to stack at all on this card it's this one but uh even then, you're going to see huge ownership from Holloway because his volume is going to let you be high scoring.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's just the and then the the flip side of that is Volk, Volkanovsky recognizes that Holloway is not going to give up as many leg like, kicks as he did in the first fight, and he already has something planned in its place. So it goes both ways. But you're right; I do expect Holloway to be high owned. Seventy-one hundred is a cheap salary for a guy who's going to the Hall of Fame if he walked away tomorrow um and max is still young you know we always talk about he's seemingly been around forever but he's still a young fighter you know he's got plenty of years left and i guess we're, we're gonna find out if the, the first fight between the two was an aberration and just a rare night at the office for holloway or if there's something to this
1: yeah yeah and and for me personally i'm, I'm just willing to bet on the long long time pedigree of holloway and and even if i do lose you know taking a loss will probably more likely keep you out of the million dollars, but it doesn't necessarily kick you out of the cash line in a GPP, especially if you get 60, 70 points in a loss. So that's why I feel comfortable going with Holloway. The only downside there, well, I guess there's two downsides. One, um, a lot of other people are going to have this exact same idea because of people like me shouting it on the rooftops and and just anybody else in general. This is a high-volume fight that you want to get a piece of. And then two, there was there's a little narrative with this with Holloway saying he just did all of his training via Zoom which is uh which is interesting but I mean he did have a full fight camp for Volkanovski before, so I'm not necessarily going to discount this too much, not being able to go to the gym with the pandemic and all. So that's the only other thing that's making me a little bit leery and might you know, take my exposure down a couple percentages. But overall, I, I don't know. I like Holloway this fight, but uh, so far I'm the only one. So we'll see what happens when staff picks come up on Thursday here. One more title fight we got to talk about, Piotr Jan Jose Aldo, Jan is ninety three hundred on DraftKings. Comeback on Aldo sixty nine hundred. One of the cheapest. You'll see him, one of the cheapest on this slate. FanDuel, Jan is $19. Aldo $14. Betty nods kind of reflect this. We got Jan around minus $220. Aldo plus $180. Odds to finish here are minus $170 here. John, we're both owners of Piotr Jan in our uh in our dynasty format. So uh we hope he gets it done for that reason. But I think I'm gonna be pretty
0: heavy on him on DraftKings as well. How about you? Yeah, I would advise that. Um, This fight does not make a ton of sense compared to the first two. Um, Jose Aldo has lost his last two fights. He is two and four in his last six fights, and this will be just his second career fight at bantamweight. Um, This event was originally supposed to take place in Brazil, and that, I believe, originally was part of the plan. As far as pushing Aldo into a title shot against Jan when Henry Cejudo vacated the bantamweight championship, mm-hmm. um, it's—I was going to say—very difficult. It's impossible to justify an Aldo title shot at bantamweight right now over someone like Aljamain Sterling. It's you know, it's it literally can't be done. Mm-hmm. But this fight was booked quite a while ago. Um, it's the matchup, the UFC. Excuse me, Uh, the matchup the UFC just kept in place and rolled with, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. And um, to be honest, I'm not giving Aldo a ton of chance of winning this fight. If you're looking for a knock on Jan, it's that the sample size with the company is fairly small. He's only had six fights. He's undefeated. Included in there wins over Jimmy Rivera, Uriah Faber, John Dodson. Um, Jan isn't particularly well known. But he's very, very, very good. He hits hard for a man his size. He's really quick on the feet. Averages close to two takedowns per 15 minutes for good measure. And he's also just 27 years old. He's good now. He has the long-term upside to be either a title holder or firmly in the title picture um, for many years to come. Um, And as far as Aldo goes, it's tough the back-to-back decisions he dropped were to Volkanovski and to Marlon Moraes. The Moraes fight was a split decision. Yeah, that Moraes and- fight. I think should have been
1: scored for Aldo. I'm really close on that. It's almost different every time I watch it, but uh, there was some controversy there and I'm pretty sure that's why the UFC felt okay giving him the shot, maybe thinking that he won the
0: Moraes fight. Yeah, it was it was definitely close, but going back to his when he was knocked Aldo was knocked out in 13 seconds by Conor McGregor back in December 2015. This is a guy who has a 3-5 and five record. And um, even if you score that fight for uh, the Morais fight for Aldo, okay, he has a 4-4 four and four record. And he only has one fight in this weight class in his entire career. That's – at least to me personally, that's not a guy who should be getting a title shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think – Aldo's 33 now. Seems like he'd be older considering how long he's been around and i don't think he's totally washed up like i think there's a decent chance he can beat the majority of the bantamweights on the roster even at even at his you know advanced age but he's definitely not the same you can watch him fight he's definitely not the same guy who was the pound for pound king several years ago mm-hmm. everything's coming a little slower Aldo's known for his leg kicks. He'll still throw out some good ones and some damaging ones. They just don't come at the same speed, and they don't come as often as they did in his heyday. Um, He is just naturally gifted enough. There's enough natural talent and MMA experience here for Aldo to be competitive at Bantamweight. But I think it's a stretch at this point to say he's in the same league as the Jans or the Sterlings, or if Henry Cejudo didn't quote-unquote retire Cejudo, I think there's a gap. That would have been an interesting matchup,
1: Cejudo and Aldo, man. That's too bad Cejudo had to hang it up.
0: (laughs) It would have, and he's facing a fighter in Yan who is younger, is quicker, and I believe has more power. Mm -hmm. You're really looking, it's really a stretch, to me at least, to find a path to victory for Aldo in this fight, yeah. um, the salary. I mean, I under the salary $1,600 is really cheap. Maybe if you're the type to make a hundred lineups and you like to, you know, throw in some crazy, crazy ones in hopes of hitting them. You know, obviously we always talk about these giant GBPs, the million, the you know, the millionaire contest. The winning lineup, I could tell you right now, we tell you every time, is going to be some crazy combination. Mm-hmm. To the point where, when you look at it and you, whoever wins it and hits submit, you would look at the thing and say, What the hell am I doing? I'm throwing away $25. There's no way this is going to win. But that's what wins. That's what's going to win the millionaire. So maybe if you're the type that makes dozens and dozens of lineups, you do get a piece of all, though. I imagine his ownership will be fairly low compared to someone like Holloway. There's only a $200 mm-hmm. difference between the two. Yeah. And I think Holloway would be far more owned. It yeah. just seems, don't think again,
1: yeah, I don't think you'll get much of an ownership percentage break because of the name recognition. You know, people that are just there, it's a couple hours before the event locks, and I'm looking to do a lineup on my phone quick, throwing 25 bucks out there. What the hell? Oh, Aldo, he's super cheap. You know, they'll put him in. So I think the ownership percentage is going to be decent. I don't know if there's much of an advantage there, but at the same time, like you said, I could see getting 10 lineups out of a 100 with Aldo just because it gives you so much flexibility to do other stuff with.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's really hard. I mean, I- he's facing Aldo has always been a striker and simply put he's facing a younger better striker at least the guy who's younger and better at this point in his career so look i'm looking for i'm looking forward to this fight i, I think it'll be you know moderately entertaining i'd be pretty surprised if Aldo won i he's as far on my upset list he's certainly if i was you know talking dk underdogs in the title fights on this card I would have him very clearly third behind Holloway and Masvidal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, in terms of the title fight, sure. And yeah, and then there's another strategy where, uh, you know,
1: maybe he does. Vegas thinks this fight will finish early, but maybe he doesn't get put away. Sixty nine hundred in a five round fight is pretty decent uh, for your cash games there. But I don't know. I think it goes pretty clearly in the in the direction of Jan here. I've made this mistake in the past where I buy too much into the hype of some of these guys and then and then a veteran puts them in their place but i just don't see that happening here first and foremost there's the scales on friday here if aldo makes championship weight remember this is just his second fight at bantamweight he only had to get down to 136 for the first uh for the first fight there um he didn't look i mean physically he looked bad but like he looked in good spirits. You know, he just, you know, like 0% body fat on him as you would expect someone like that. So if he makes a championship weight, I'm going to guess that he's going to have to hurt himself a little bit to do that. And that would lead to being maybe a little more susceptible to getting knocked out again. Um, A little background, the reason he's at bantamweight in the first place is because he lost to Holloway twice and Volkanovski once. So he just knew the featherweight belt was going to be out of the question. So now he's trying to hunt a belt down here at bantamweight. So, you know, the weight cut's going to hurt. And then the other thing is a lot of times when you see people move down a weight class, it's because they get a big size advantage to do so. Um, Aldo, yeah, he's got a three-inch reach advantage on Jan, but both men are 5'7", so it's not like Aldo's going to tower over him in in the cage by any means like that. And, uh, And, yeah, like you said, a lot of the Aldo strengths, I think, Jan has, even over the short sample size, he's done better. And I'm pretty confident in Jan getting the finish. I used him as my captain spot in my A-Fan Duel lineup. I'm getting him in on DraftKings uh, where I can because I think there's a good chance of a finish here. I agree with Vegas. Um, You know, I'll play a little devil's advocate, I guess. Aldo's only been finished. By Holloway and McGregor who hasn't been finished by anyone else and Jan if you looked at Jan's resume I mean his best win is probably Jimmy Rivera other than that I mean Uriah Faber and John Dodson are in there and then some lesser fighters as he was getting started Um, so you know the level of competition isn't quite there for Jan but you know you just if you can picture career trajectories on the uh, on a graph or something like that you know Aldo definitely fading and Jan definitely growing and I think they're going to meet and and Jan's going to finish this one uh with a bang here I think the fact that it's in the bigger cage will help Aldo a little bit um, giving him more time to, uh, you know, circle like he'll tend to do. And if there's a path to victory for Aldo, it's to, you know, stay out of dodge early, land a bunch of leg kicks, and force Jan to kind of switch stances. I don't know if he's had, if Jan has had to fight someone. I mean, Faber is well past his prime, but I don't know if Jan's had to fight someone that can terrorize the legs like Aldo does. So, you know, you stay. You know, on the outside, get some leg kicks, and then make him switch stances and and have that sap some of his power a little bit. That would be the path to victory for Aldo. I just don't really see it happening. I like Jan, and I like him a lot to have very high exposure.
0: Yeah, and the one thing to mention about Aldo is he's not going anywhere no matter what happens here. Before the Volkanovski fight, he signed an eight-fight contract. This is a guy who had openly... Murmured about retiring not all that long ago, and then signed an eight-fight deal before the Volkanovski fight. So whatever happens in this fight, although still going to have five fights left on his contract. Yeah, so
1: it's not like he's one foot in and one foot out or anything like that. You know, he's still he's still all in here. But uh, I just I, I don't think he's going to have it here on on Saturday night. We will certainly see about that here. The next fight, we're out of title fights, but this is an excellent women's strawweight matchup. It's probably one of the best uh, matchups you can get in this division without a belt on the line. It is a rematch between Jessica Andraj and Rose Namajunas. Uh, Namajunas, 9,000 on DraftKings. Andraj 7,200. Namajunas, 17 on FanDuel. 13 for Andrade. She's, uh, Rose is about a minus 175 favorite. Um, the comeback on Andrade is plus 155. Odds to finish, plus 115. Now, Rose looked pretty good in the first round. Of their original fight, and then the tides definitely turned in the second round, and Andrade was able to get that you know that KO slam here. Um, so I think based on how Rose looked in the first round of that last fight, we're seeing the odds kind of reflect that. But do you agree with that, John?
0: I don't know. If, I don't think I agree with it to the extent that it's being portrayed. I ended up picking Andrade in an upset here, and. Essentially it's because I just couldn't get over the massive value she was prov- she provides at seventy two hundred. Mm-hmm. Um this fight is close in my opinion. Um all things considered, if it was a dead heat, I'd probably take nominal unis uh, slightly if, you know, you told me both prices were the same, pick somebody who's gonna win. But I couldn't get over the eighteen hundred dollar gap in salary between the two. Um I would – if this – in my personal opinion, I think the salaries here should – the salaries are Nami Unis 9,000, Andrade 7,200. I think maybe something like 8,400 to Mm 7,800, even 8,300 to 7,900, something like that. That's kind of what you'll
1: see on FanDuel with Rose 17 and Andrade 13.
0: Yeah, this seems like a wide gap, and from a DraftKings perspective – I couldn't get – i the value was just too good for me to pick Andraj in a fight where I wasn't really – didn't have a super strong feeling either way. Um, I will say that maybe not the result itself, but the way the first fight ended between the two was a fluke. Um, Andraj assembly, essentially just slammed Rose on the ground, Rose hit her head, and she was knocked out cold. The odds of that happening again are virtually zero. So – um, you go back to I would have certainly agree. The odds to finish here are plus one fifteen. Um, I'm actually surprised they're not a little higher. I would think this fight is going to go the distance if I had to make a prediction. Um, but it's interesting because Andrade, her former UFC women's Troy champion, her title reign was over immediately. She lost her title to Wei Li Zhang right after winning it. Um, and it's funny because Andrade essentially. Began her UFC career at bantamweight and was really nothing, nothing more than roster depth. She was win one, lose one, you know, win one, lose two. She couldn't get on any kind of streak. And then she moved down to strawweight and she became a champion. And it's real. Every time I watch Andrade fight, it's crazy to think that she can make one hundred fifteen pounds because yeah. she's massive. Yeah. As I mean, much her height's listed at five one, but she is she's built. She is, is she is as much upper body strength as any fighter in the division. Um, she's a good wrestler. 3.21 takedowns per 15 minutes. Um, as I wrote in the preview article, I do think her success in the wrestling game is more the result of her brute strength as opposed to just as opposed to technical skills. Like Daniel Cormier is an elite takedown specialist because he's one of the most technical wrestlers out there. Andrade is the kind of opposite, I think, and it's just brute strength. Um, Andra's biggest weaknesses are striking. Her stand-up defense is not great. Um, If she's forced to stand for a long period of time, she gets in trouble. Um, That's not Rose's biggest strength either. Rose is a ground fighter, although her stand-up has certainly improved over the years. Her fiancé, Pat Barry, former UFC fighter, former pro kickboxer. So you know what Rose is working on. And the one thing I'll say about Rose is... She enters this with a 4-inch height advantage and a 3-inch reach advantage. But if you look at the two women side by side, there's no mistaking who the stronger woman is. That's Andrage. You know, Anybody can see that just by looking at the two. But Rose is deceptive. Rose is very tough in tight. She wins a lot of close battles that you wouldn't think she would win. She does a pretty good job of staying on her feet. And... She's going to have to stay on her feet in this one because her takedown defense is only 46%, which is abysmal. She's going to have advantage submission-wise if the fight ends up on the mat, but she just can't let Andrade get on top and grind a decision out here. Um, it, this is close. I mean, I, just, I couldn't get over the price break on Andrade when I made my pick.
1: Yeah, so for me, I'm kind of with you in that line of thinking here. I'm going to pick Andrade straight up in this one, and I think uh, she's going to lean heavily, heavily on the wrestling. Now, Rose is a a more than respectable grappler, but I think this is going to be one of those situations where we see Andrade relentlessly pursue takedowns to close the distance because if this fight stays on the feet, uh, uh lean nama units for sure i mean there's no question about that but uh, I think we're gonna see andraj really pursue the wrestling and try to get in top position pass guard and then work the ground and pound here i mean uh you know to, to backtrack a step you know the the statistics you know the wrestling ones lie in the favor of andraj and of course uh 6.55 significant strikes landed per minute for andraj i mean that's that's crazy um so there, there there's that going for us but you know you flash back to that first fight, and Rose pretty much, uh, I mean, she kind of dominated in the first round. The striking battle, uh, thirty to twenty-four, so not crazy. Um, but Rose, the reason she had success in that first round, and the reason we can kind of see the odds the way they are, is because uh, Rose was able to defend the takedowns and and you know surfing through Twitter a lot. The technique that. Uh, that keeps coming up is Rose was using uh, a Kimura trap to kind of defend those takedowns, you know, we're tough to describe here in audio over the air, but you know, it's just basically challenging that arm and threatening with a submission kind of standing that would kind of get and to back off. She made an adjustment. Well, one, she was able to get a takedown in round one anyway, two, she was able to make an adjustment in between rounds. And then after that it was over. So I think, You know, it's not that Rose can't make adjustments either, but, um, you know, the one thing that Rose was able to lead on to kind of stop and mitigate those takedown defenses is not necessarily, you know, unless she comes up with a new technique, um, or is able to, you know, kind of have the wheels on in the bigger cage, um, I don't think that she's going to have the same success defending takedowns as she did in the first five minutes of that fight, which is why I think that the odds are a little bit deceptive based on that, you know, six minutes of fight time here. So I like Andrade to win um, based on her price. Of course, you have to. Uh, of course, I'm going to be using her on DraftKings and in, in, in a lot of places here. Um I don't necessarily know it's going to be pretty or or be a finish. So um, even if she does get a win, she might not be in the optimal, which you'd need for a big GPP. But I think, like Holloway, she's a fine cash game underdog to use because, I mean, the striking and and wrestling volume uh, both land in her favor. And um, I'm going to pick her to win straight up outright here um, just because that wrestling
0: physicality is going to be coming to the octagon here on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, regardless of who you think is going to win straight up, I don't think there's really any argument about who's the better value play here. Uh, That's Andrade in a runaway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're doing 100 lineups, that definitely get some rows in there. I mean, you know, the odds makers... (laughs) They're, they're smarter than us for a reason, I guess you could say, but um, uh, but there's I definitely have more exposure to Jessica just because of the line of flexibility it offers here. Uh, there's one more fight to talk about on the pay-per-view. Maybe we don't need to uh, talk about this one uh, a ton and we can skip to some upsets a little bit, but I do want to mention Amanda Hibas, Paige Van Zant, Paige fighting the last fight on her contract. Hibas, 9500 the highest-priced fighter on DraftKings. Van Zant $6,700. Uh, on FanDuel, Hibas, 20 bucks. Van Zant $10. Bucks. Uh, and then the Vegas odds here, Hebus is minus nine hundred, by far triple the biggest on the card. Van Zant comeback is plus six hundred. Odds to finish are minus one hundred five here. Um, I don't think there's any secret about who we think is going to win this fight, but Hebus is going to have to get between you know ninety five or ninety five and one hundred twenty points to really hit value
0: on DraftKings. Do you think she can do that? She can, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. It's just I'm extremely, extremely hesitant to ever use a fighter at such a high salary. And I, as I mentioned in the previous article, in 9,500, you're talking prime, top-tier Ronda Rousey, John Jones, Demetrius Johnson territory. Like as high as high as it is. And Amanda's been excellent in her UFC career, but we've seen her for all three fights. Yeah. Emily Whitmire, Mackenzie Dern, and Random Marcos. It's not a murderer's row of competition. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I assume we both think she's going to win this fight going away. It still makes her a tough DraftKings play. But it's uh, – it, for me personally, it's really, really hard to get excited about Van Zant. You know, she's fought – she'll be on the sidelines for about a year and a half coming into this fight. She last fought in January 2019. Before that, she fought in January 2018. She has fought – this will be her fourth fight in about better than three and a half years. She has one victory dating back to August 2016, so nearly four years. Um, essentially, to sum it up and quickly, Paige was overrated from the very start. And she's a good athlete. She has excellent cardio. But she's never been able to – put it all together because she simply hasn't been able to train with regularity because she's always been hurt. Yeah, the arm injury uh, thing has yep, been a real she's broken issue. her arm like three times and or something. Re-broken it, And she even admitted that it's not necessarily fully healed for this fight,
1: that she might have another surgery afterwards. So, like, <laughs> do you think she's going to throw finny, uh, spinning back fists
0: in this fight? I don't think so. No, and the other thing, it kind of bothered me when I heard this, was that Van Zant. somebody asked her, like you mentioned, this is the last fight on her contract, and somebody asked her you know, does winning or losing this fight affect your future value? And Van Zant said, "No, my value is the same regardless." Now that's BS, and we both know that. You know, mm-hmm. but I I wouldn't be surprised if look Van Zant was pushed too 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 strong from the beginning. It's similar to what happened with Sage Northcutt, um, and that's why whenever we see a young fighter getting pushed into this kind of situation, we, we're always hesitant because it, it, if it doesn't work out, you're in trouble and when Van Zandt started, she was you know 21, 22 years old. She turned 26 years old in March. She's certainly not old, but those days of saying, "Oh, she's a young, young prospect," are kind of over. And this, I think, this is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I still think
1: Paige is good enough to. I mean, I think win or lose, more likely lose, she's going to move over and join her husband in Bellator. That that move is is pretty much inevitable. And if Bellator. You know they're gonna. They'll be able to. They'll probably offer her more more money than the UFC, um, because you know the UFC doesn't see her as a future title contender, of course. um, But you know. Bellator will match her up intelligently against uh, against some kind of middle tier fighters, get her a couple wins, market the heck out of her, and then they have a good investment. I think that's the best way that they can use her at this point here. But uh, you know, to try to kind of backtrack to this fight in general, you compared Heba's Celery to the likes of John Jones, Ronda Rousey, uh, Demetrius Johnson. Have to remember those that Celery, those were in five round fights. This is a three round fight. So if Heba's, uh, you know, just kind of grinds out a decision here. Zero chance of hitting value. Um, I see her as much more of a cash play because she's a lock than a GPP play. Because um, it's as close to a lock to win as you can get. I just don't know if the scoring is going to be high enough. You have to bank on a finish. And even Vegas isn't ready to bank on a finish here. So uh, it, it's tough for that reason here. So, um, yeah, you
0: know, I obviously mean just we go. Uh, we, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry. No, uh, one more thing I didn't uh, that I forgot I didn't mention is it could be entirely possible the UFC – knows van zant's leaving after this and she could have a deal on or you know they don't plan on offering a new contract whatever and they see amanda as a potential you know future contender and they're feeding her a, a fighter who is well known despite her struggles and her injuries mm-hmm. and they're looking to get just a big name win on a resume for, i didn't mention that yeah i didn't mention that in, in my article but that kind of just popped into my mind that could certainly be the case here
1: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, the RotoWire lineup optimizer for DraftKings, for example, they require you to make two actions, quote-unquote actions, before the thing it'll run, just so we're not running, you know, the same lineup, you know, so many times in every contest. And, uh, you know, those actions can be, uh, you can lock a fighter into the lineup, one that you guaranteed you want to lose. Or use you can uh, like a fighter which boosts their projection by 20 percent, or you can exclude a fire from the player pool entirely every time i go to that optimizer to play with it and make lineups my first action is to exclude van zant just because i don't there's no interest here for me um you know from a fantasy perspective here you could say well her price is so low you can use a lineup with five favorites well you could do the same thing with aldo basically so uh there's really no uh there's no not there's there's no I don't know appeal to Van Zant in this format here. But we've been running a little long, John. I want to hit on a couple of uh upset picks that you might be thinking of. Uh I do want to note that I don't know if DraftKings adjusted the player pool. We're recording this at about this is about two o'clock central time right now. Um but uh the Alexander Romanov is off the card, and uh, Grishin is back on the card. But uh, DraftKings hasn't necessarily added him yet. I assume they will before Saturday. But uh, Marcin Tybura was an underdog uh, you know, against Romanov, and now he's a minus-120 favorite at 7,900. So there's some line value there. Um, I know some people out there don't necessarily think too highly of Tybura, but uh, he's someone that I'm using to build uh, – you know, using a decent amount of lineups because just, just for the line value, you know, you get a guy that's $400 cheaper than your average price per fighter, mix them with one of the bigger underdogs from the title fights, and then you can pretty much take your pick uh, of four favorites on that fight. I don't know how you feel about that one or
0: if you have any other upset plays you want to offer up. I got two more. I got two upset plays, and they're actually the next two fights listed. The first one is Yuri Prozhzhazka, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Prozica? Like, Prozica against <laughs> I Demir um we'll call him yuri yuri is making his ufc debut um former risen fighter his last three fights against well-known fighters not studs by any means in this day and age but guys who had success in their career former ufc fighters cb dolly and fabio maldonado and king mo who we all know and love Mm -hmm. um and 26 career wins for yuri 23 via knockout And the reason I took him as one of my underdog picks is if there's one thing you can say about Volkan Ostomir, and he does have plenty of power, it's that he gets hit. And he usually survives. He's only been knocked out once in his professional career. That was by Daniel Cormier. But Volkan does get hit, and Yuri has a bunch of power. Now, he'll have to get to that power, but seems like a risk worth taking at just 7,800. Mm-hmm. Um, my other upset pick, which isn't as substantial because the salaries are close, is Eliza Zaleski Dos Santos at eight. 8,000 against Muslim Salikov, who's at 8,200. I've always been a Zaleski Dos Santos fan, and I think he's kind of underrated actually. Mm-hmm. Um, in the UFC, he is, I believe he's won eight of his last nine fights. His only loss in that span was against Li Liang, who's proven to be a pretty good fighter. Mm-hmm. And Zaleski Dos Santos is good. He's underrated on the mat. Has a bunch of power for a welterweight, decent size at five foot eleven. I was a little surprised he's an underdog in this fight. Granted, the salaries are so close, you're not going to get a ton of a break as far as relief, but eight thousand for him seems like a really fair price.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the lineups I was kind of doing, I used Lesquito Santos, I used Tibera, and I used Holloway, of course. And then, then for me, it, it's take your picks. If you want to go, uh, you know, Usman, uh, Usman, and um, and Jan, and then take your pick your next favorite there's there's a lineup for you right there you know that's one way to do that i i, I like zaleski santos too i worry a little bit about yuri Proshik against uh ozdemir i'm probably butchering that name i should just call him yuri too but um because the thing is is uh i think maybe it's just like a little bit too high level of competition for his ufc debut yeah he's beaten some guys uh you know Overseas and rising, um, but you know CB Dalloway, those guys. I mean, you know King Mo had his had his time too. Um, but it's not like it's some crazy resume. And uh, Ozdemir will be the toughest opponent of his career to date. Um, this is one where you want to get exposure because it's minus two ten odds to finish. And sure, maybe. Uh, Maybe Yuri can get that knockout, but I also think Ozdemir is experienced and he'll and he'll lean on the wrestling a little more. And uh you know, I've read, you know, or it's came up in group chats a little bit how Proshek's takedown defense isn't uh phenomenal by any means. So I think Volcan will employ a wrestling heavy strategy, which could go against the grain a little bit of this being um, you know, the minus two ten odds to finish here, but um but at the same time, man, this is that, that's one of those moves that'll that'll clear up salary, and if he gets the knockout, you know, th- then you're you're on the you're on your path to a million bucks, nice and early in the night. It is a very exciting fight. It's the prelim finale. I'll absolutely be tuning in for that uh, because uh, I, I want to see what we have in this kid. It's one of the more hype debuts we've seen in a while.
0: Yeah, and the UFC, um, which has been their mo since moving over to ESPN. And it's really their MO now since there's nothing else on. Um, As far as the headliner of the prelims on ESPN that everybody can see without forking over any cash, of course we're talking about pay-per-views. They always either put well-known fighters or they put what they expect to be an action-packed fight in hopes of making a name for someone. Exactly. You get people – excited enough to buy that pay-per-view and I think
1: there'll be some fireworks here uh, we'll see unless Volkan can get that wrestling going like I think he might here uh, but anyway that's going to wrap things up we're just about to an hour here thanks again everyone for listening to the Roto-Wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast brought to you by ESPN Plus the home of UFC 251 mentioned this at the beginning going to mention it at the end too if you haven't signed up for ESPN Plus yet and are thinking about do, uh, buying that pay-per-view ESPN Plus is required might as well get a free month of Roto-Wire with that just Go to rotowire.com slash subscribe. You can pick that package there. It's on the bottom by some of the other DFS promotions that we're running here. Uh, again, John, thanks for joining me. If you want to follow John on Twitter, it's at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me, Jake Litarsky, on Twitter at Roto jake. John, it's been a pleasure. We're going to be back with you guys prior to UFC 252. That's on August 15th. So the week of August 15th, uh, Cormier Miocic 3 in Las Vegas. Uh, until then, best of luck with your lineups,
0: guys. Yeah, everybody, stay tuned. We got four weeks, uh, four cards in the next two weeks, starting this Saturday.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll have uh, DraftKings and FanDuel previews for all of those fight nights events that are headed to Fight Island. So definitely stay tuned, and uh, best of luck to everyone.